The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, continuing our team-by-team season previews to get you ready for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. And we head to the AL Central, to the Kansas City Royals, a fun young team, especially for fantasy purposes. It's going to be another year where they get to develop and see where the next steps are taken. And we'll we'll dig in deep on some of those big-time players and maybe a couple little outside uh, stragglers that might have a little relevance throughout the season. In order to help me break all this down, is a good friend of mine, a good friend of the show. You've heard him here before doing some gladiator drafts. You've seen him on other shows talking with our buddies Fish and Company. He's just he's, he's making the rounds, and he'll be in Vegas here very, very soon. Find him on Twitter at Gialdi, G-I-A-L-D-E. Anthony Gialdi, how you doing, my friend? Great, Bubba. Thanks for having me again. It's good to see well, you. Always good to see you, my friend. Before we get into this, how's uh, how, how are the mooses doing? Uh, the Moose just won last night, eight to three. We're rolling. We're up a few games on second place, and things are going well. No complaints. Knock on wood. Yeah. So far, so beautiful. Good. How's draft season treating you so far? Is it uh, starting to ramp up here? It is. It's. I can really feel the urgency as we get closer to March, and and you know what some people might say is live draft season. I'm still doing DCs. I don't know about you. Um, if you've started any live stuff, I have not done any lives yet. The only lives I've done were back in November and December when we were messing around. So uh, it's going so it's going well so far, but I feel like I'm I have more prep to do. If that makes sense, I'm with you. That's kind of why we do the DCs, the NFPC 50s, whatever people prefer, is to kind of get the player pool down. But it's an always changing player pool, and that's the fun of it. As we get into March and guys move up and down the boards, and you know we've all said it, pitchers will move up, and all these things will happen, and you start to slowly see it this time of year in DCs and other drafts. And 
especially once football ends and you get those guys back into the uh, the drafting pool and things start to change. So it's going to be fun to see where the landscape starts to. It never settles, but gets closer to what we should expect come March towards those live drafts like you're talking about. Like I see those people doing the OCs and stuff, and I'm like, I got the itch, but I'm like, no, it's stupid. I can't. I can't. I know better for me. It's not time to do those just yet. We need to wait a little bit longer to get our, our feet wet in that world. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's it's so tempting to get started on that early. You feel like you want to get in before ADP starts to move a lot with news and things like that, but it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, because we've seen a bunch of news already coming out of spring that kind of makes you go, oh, man, I already have that guy rostered, or this time or the other. All this news keeps coming out, and you're just like, oh, man. So it makes you justified at times for waiting, and other times, you know, yeah, you got, you got spurned a little bit too. So it's what it is. It's what yeah. it is. Yeah. All right, let's talk some Kansas City Royals, my friend. And we'll kick it off with the one of the young studs. Like I said earlier, there's a bunch of them, which is fun as a fan, especially to see these young players coming up and developing and producing in person. And that is Bobby Witt Jr., ADP of around nine right now, 20 bombs, 30 stolen bases last year, hit 254, which might have disappointed some. But overall, I think a very, very strong opening campaign. And it's been a fun discussion on Twitter. I know you've had to have seen it. You know, he's seventh player off the board of um, ADP of nine, give or take. And third base shortstop which is nice and it's been volatile where some people are like oh he's not worth the adp where other people are like we haven't even seen the best of bobby witt yet so what's your thoughts on bobby witt jr going into 2023 well i think he's he's going to produce what we think he's going to do i think he's going to steal i think he's going to steal a lot 30 to 40 is my guess i think he's going to hit 20 bombs again 25 maybe um what we don't know is where will the average land? How will the uh, shifts and things like that affect him? How will his growth affect him? He's not done being the player he's going to be. He's very young. He's 22. I think a lot of people just you know, assume this is the guy he is. We don't know for sure what he's going to turn into yet. He's got a lot of tools. He's got a 70 raw power tool, I think, and like, I mean, if you want to believe that, and a 60 game power, that sometimes also translates into just incredible hard hit, which raises average. We'll see. We'll see. What I think the controversy is with him is, is he worth that draft capital? Is he worth 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 overall? And remember that he is not in a vacuum. He is part of a build that you're going to do with him being third base shortstop and carrying the power that doesn't hurt you and the speed that almost certainly will, will be a huge help to any team, uh, especially with how much speed gets valued as we get deeper into draft season. It's a really, really nice thing, except for, except for J Ram Third base really is devoid of, I mean, if you want to count Cabrian Hayes, but it's really devoid of steals. To put him at third, which is a really shallow position this year, is a is a huge thing, huge. And that's what buoys his, his ADP, I believe. It's not necessarily just saying he doesn't hit for high average or he, you know, um, he's uh, he's not he's not as good as Jordan Alvarez, things like that. I get it. I get it. 
But at third base or short, if you end up taking another third baseman in the second round, um, you can really make some hay with him um, at the top of your team. So it just depends on the build. But he is definitely a first-rounder from just the purposes of his position with the stats you get. Now, some people will pass on him because they like other people instead. Can't argue with that. But to say he's not very good because he's going to hit 250, I don't think that is is really how you have to evaluate a guy like that, if that makes sense. 100%. And I think the average will improve, too, because we've seen him be a better hitter in the minors. Is he going to be a 300 hitter? Probably not. But could you get 270 out of him? Probably. So that's very durable. Um, and I'm 100% with you. Like, if you look at the profile and you think third base, don't think shortstop that has more depth and everything. He right. is outstanding, like you're saying, in the steals department. And it's really opened my eyes doing preview shows with, like, Toby and Ryan about – because I was kind of not really into Bobby Witt, nothing against him. I wasn't, like, throwing the fight up about not taking him. But then when you start digging into the positions and digging into what he offers, and if I can get 20, 30 again from a third baseman, that's tremendous to me. Um, and, and we're not supposed to, like, look at, you know, stats by position. We're supposed to look at stats as a whole team. I get that, too. But to know you can get, you know, support from other positions later on where you can't get that from third base, that's pretty huge. So I'm on board with you on that one. I've been looking at him more and more. I don't think I've drafted him yet, but I haven't had a lot of middle round picks either. I've been either at the front or the back where I haven't been kind of put in the Bobby Witt situation per se. Um, it, it's a fun spot to be in, though, and I, I'd be really curious because it's like, do you go Bobby Witt or do you go Vlad Guerrero Jr.? It's an interesting conversation to have, and that's kind of right. a thing. Do you go Bobby Witt or Mookie Betts? Um, that's kind of what you're looking at there. So it is an, an interesting spot to be in. And like you said, 22 years old, we have not seen who Bobby Witt really is going to be yet, and that is crazy right. to expect. So That's right. He's huh? He's got plenty of growth. He's got all the tools in the world. Number one prospect, I believe-ish, when he was coming up. And you've got – You've got a ceiling that's unknown. We don't know what his power ceiling really will be. Like I mentioned, he's got incredible power scouting um, numbers. So if you throw that in with, and I think there's a debate, I think Corbin Carroll maybe is the one they're saying is is the 100th percentile now in speed, but he's right up there. You've really got the possibility of just incredible, incredible numbers. Maybe Tatis, you know, type ceiling uh we're we just don't know and the average my point is the average shouldn't necessarily dissuade you if you want the steals and the homers and he's probably going to have decent counting stats that won't be great on the royals you really you really just need to put it in your pocket and move on and build the team from there um I'm a, I'm a believer not because of a homer, but because I was on him last year as well. I really do think he grew over the year oh, yeah. just watching what he did. He still has a little issue with plate discipline, but that might be who he is. And when he if he makes an impact when he hits the ball and he keeps the third base uh, position eligibility going into the, the following year, don't know if he'll play third this year or not. I mean, that's pretty strong from third, what he's doing. 100% with you on that one. So we'll see how the ADP keeps going here come March. But I think there's definitely definitely some nice appeal to Mr. Bobby Witt Jr. 
Yep. Let's go to Salvi Perez. Uh, ADP of 74. We know last year only 114 games due to a little bit of injuries, but that's kind of expected at catcher. Not for, for Salvi, though. He usually plays quite a bit, but it happens. 23 home runs, 254. Um, that's kind of the floor for Salvi, potentially. There might be a ceiling involved there. I'm guessing he DHs a lot this year. We'll see because you got uh, MJ, who we'll talk about in a bit. But what's your thoughts on Salvi Perez this year? Because, you know, in years past, it was like him and JTR up top. He had this kind of hiccup last year. So if you think of it that way, you're getting a quote-unquote like deal. But is it a deal? Who knows? Um, what's your thoughts on Salvi this year? Well, he's a volume monster, which is unusual at catcher. Mm-hmm. He will play come hell or high water. And I can't believe how many times I've seen him leave with an injury or something and play like the next day. He just does not want to sit, and they don't care. They will play him 145 games between DH and catcher. I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with him, you know, wanting to be in the lineup every day. But it feels like he's getting older before our eyes, if that makes sense. 100%. Um, You can kind of see him – the 48 homer year was it was unbelievable to watch that. I just don't think he's ever going to even come close to that type of pace again. With all of the miles they put on him, with all the catching over the years, and obviously his his status in the lineup is secure, but the lineup isn't exactly loaded. I just feel like he's probably people are looking in the past. And, and and clinging to what he did over the past few years and not looking forward and saying, how realistic is it to expect 140-some games from this guy who's, I think he's 32, 33? Yep. He feels like he's 36 to me. Oh, definitely. Um, and I, I don't think that he's a bad pick. I just also think you need to keep in mind that he's probably going to start being dinged up more and more uh, as, as his – his body just starts to break down a little bit, but the power's great. The lineup spot is great. The, the willingness of the team to let him play either DH or catcher nearly every day is fantastic. I think you're paying for, you're paying for a repeat. You're not paying for what you think he might do. You just hope he'll do what he did maybe last year. I don't think anybody, envisions him having another huge year i don't yeah i don't know how you feel about it no i'm 100% with you and that's why it stinks i've always been team salvi i've been willing to draft him early in years past just because of the games he'd play but the age the accumulation like the fact he will dh a lot is going to be big in the past he had to catch because it's just the way the team was was built but the way you said aging before our eyes is, is so true catchers age pretty quickly when they get past their 30s it's kind of amazing he's made it this far. It reminds me a lot of like a Yadier Molina who was like good, 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 and he got a certain age, and he was serviceable, but he wasn't the Yadier of old. That happens to every catcher, but uh, a lot of similarities there to me when it comes to Salvi and, and Yadier and the production-wise that we might see. I think Salvi's still a very good catcher. Is he worth a top 100 pick? That's hard for me to do right now. That's very hard for me to do, and that makes it – that it's tough. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he – put in 140 plus games due to the DH and he puts up, you know, 25, 30 home runs. That'd be great. But then again, is that still a top, you know, 75 pick? That's where I, I struggle with it with Salvi. So I think I'm out right now. 
yeah, he's going in a in a real close range there with with Adley. It looks like Salvi's right around 73, 74, and Adley's about 72. Yeah. So it becomes a question of who you'd rather take. I guess they're you know two guys going in different directions, but um I think a lot of people still, you know, envision Salvi, you know, putting up a 35 plus homer year with just huge counting stats. I wonder if we can really, I mean, what are the, what are the percentage outcome of him staying healthy for 140 plus games? Yeah, I tough. hope it's, I hope he does. I mean, I hope he does. And between the DH and the catcher, maybe they can manage that. But I question with the miles on his body, if we can realistically say that's a high percentage outcome anymore. Yeah. And it's tough for me to take him when like 20 picks later, you can get Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Um, even like yeah. 20 picks after that, you can get William Contreras or Sean Murphy. Like there's these guys where I don't think the difference in statistics is that large when you start talking about the catcher position and Salvi. And that's that's where it gets tricky for him. Like it's great. I hope he does well. I hope he proves me wrong. I love Salvi. Salvi's awesome. But um, it's just you got to be realistic about the situation as well. And that's what kind of stinks right now. So in, in a sense, I'm basically saying I think he's a bit overdrafted. 100%. But it doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just means – Compared to what else you can get in that range, I, th- I think he should go a little lower. We'll see. Well, let's talk about the potential Salvi replacement, or at least the player that's helping Salvi DH more often, and MJ Melendez, who has amazing OBP skills for a young player. He's been 24 this year. He's got some pop. I think the average bounces back from the 217 last year. ADP of about 105. Like You could even talk about maybe taking Melendez over Salvi if you were so inclined. So um, how do you look at MJ Melendez going into 2023? I think his his power ceiling might be as high as Salvi's. I know that sounds crazy right now, but I do believe that the kid has immense power potential. I don't think he's going to hit for a very high average. I don't think he's going to put up huge uh, counting stats, especially if they keep him at in the leadoff spot, which is a which is a crazy spot for a kid like that. But he he does hit the ball hard. He did do very well when he wasn't shifted, which I think we can say that about a lot of left-handed bats now. And again, you're talking about kids that are very young. I mean, these guys are younger than a lot of guys that are rookies coming up, you know. So when you're talking about a, a 24-year-old that they're probably going to play him in the outfield, DH and catcher also, and get him a ton of play. The Now you're talking about an ADP of 106-ish. That sounds pretty good. And you'll never use him in the outfield, or at least you shouldn't. I mean, that would be crazy. But the fact that he's playing outfield is good for us. We want him playing every day. We want him playing when he's not catching. And that's the, that's the type of thing you get with uh, the other catchers that – you know, come to mind, which is Alden uh, Barshow. Barshow. Yeah, William and, Contreras will DH a ton. Um, yep. Stuff like that. Yes. And so you want those guys just racking up at bats when they're not catching. Because catching is enough uh, to, to wear a guy out. If you, can, if you can have him DH when he's off or play left field, or I don't know where they'll play him, but I think left field is what they're mentioning. And if he's going to lead off, I think you're looking at, a really juicy pick right there at 106. I like yeah, it. I've become, I've been more and more interested in him as the, uh, 
excuse me, as the draft season has come on here, uh, when I start looking at the playing time situation, the other catchers going around him, his OBP skills just impress me from a young player because that's just going to make him start attacking better pitches is the way I look at it, especially leading off. Say Bobby Witt takes that next step. Say Salvi stays healthy. Say Vinny P, who we'll talk about. All the pitches Melendez is going to get to hit are going to be pretty juicy. And to top it off, if he is this OBP guy leading off as a catcher, a thing we don't talk about a lot, he could get a decent amount of runs for a catcher's position, yes. which is uh, pretty sweet as well. His his range right there with the catchers is just behind uh, Wilson Contreras and Kirk. Yep. And I don't mind taking the third guy that, that lasts to you if you can grab a catcher in that spot. That's not even a bad spot for your number one catcher. If you're by chance already got a catcher and you're finishing it off with these, you're really ahead of the game. It's 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 a lot of investment to take two catchers in the top ten, but he's he's got an immense ceiling, and I really do think that people that take him at 106 are going to be rewarded highly this year. I, I know it's a bit of a leap of faith after hitting that low of an average and you know, he's second year. You don't know about sophomore slump and such. I think, you know, he hit, I think he had 48 home runs and led the minors a couple years ago. Yep. Um, we're, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg with this kid. And the fact that they want to play him wherever they need to play him to get him in the lineup should tell you enough. It's kind of like Varsho, right? I mean, they said, we don't 100%. care what we have to do. We're going to get him in the lineup. And now they're now they traded him to a team that's just going to play him in the outfield. Yeah, which is crazy. So, you get a catcher that's playing like that, you need to get him. You need to grab him. Yeah, if Melendez would just steal a little bit, we'd be talking about him like Varsha. That's the kind of guy we're talking about, I think, when it comes to I don't, I don't have the stats, but I do believe in September he ran quite a bit. That's good to see. Um, that could be fun. Yeah, I know he's got speed for a catcher. He's young. He's got yeah. some speed. So Well, this year is going to bring a lot of new things that nobody – I mean, if we had a time machine, of course, we'd, yep. we'd know how – not necessarily what a – what a player does, but how the league reacts to the new rules. If we could see what it really does to the league, it would be interesting to know who we would draft without knowing individual stats. I think you'll see him have, you know, at his age and with decent speed, I think he could steal between five and 10, you know, yeah, which is something huge. That'd be huge. Yeah. I'm with you on that for sure. I think Melendez is, a very very intriguing option with all that playing time and hopefully leading off for Kansas City. I'd be I'd be all on board that train. Now the train that's really taken off out the station when it comes to <laughs> fantasy Twitter and everything else. And I just love his Twitter game to begin with. The kid's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's Vinny Pascantino, ADP yeah. of around ninety six right now. He's supposed to hit cleanup. We know what he can do. Powers. He hit ten homers in, in a short sample with the Royals. Still at two ninety five, which is outstanding. Only struck out eleven point four percent of the time in almost three hundred plate appearances. That's nuts for a young ball player. And he's done that throughout his entire time in, in the minors. Um, I don't know. Like it's taken me some time. I don't know if I'm as high as I should be on Vinny P because there's some guys that think he's the next coming. Basically. Um, I haven't gotten there, but I'm much more inclined with like, hey, I need to pay more attention to this kid. So what's your thoughts on Vinny P? Because he could be one of those guys. Like we talk about Jose Abreu going around pick 98 as the value at first base. Vinny P might be that dude. So the thing about Vinny P, I mean, if you you dive into Vinny P's stats and his hard hit rates and his everything about him, his plate discipline, you're going to want to draft him in, as soon as you can. The negative is the lineup. 
this lineup is probably not going to give him the counting stats that you can get from an Abreu that's near him, or um, even I think uh, Nathaniel Lowe goes right around him and is also a wonderful option. I think the difference between those guys and Vinny P is Vinny P, this is a crazy statement, but Vinny P could be Freddie Freeman in another year or two. I don't know. He's still, you know, he's still figuring it out too. He hits the ball so hard and he has such good plate discipline and he uses the whole field. You start to imagine what is the ceiling for him? I mean, I think he could hit 300 plus, right? I think he could hit 30 home runs. I, I the, the lineup stinks. That's the problem. So if you're, if you're focused on counting stats, you would put him behind other people. If you are strictly looking at just his skills, I think he's I think he's way better than Abreu skill wise. But Abreu is going the other way again. It's two guys going the opposite ways. But Abreu's lineup is amazing, and he's steady, and we know what he is. And a bird in the hand beats two in the bush. But if you're willing to take a shot, even if you know um, you have to. Um, Take him before Abreu because you, you want to make sure you get him. It depends on where you're at and what happens in the round there. But I think Vinny is not going to be somebody that burns you. I don't think he's going to come out and hit 240. I don't think he's going to come out and hit 12, 15 home runs. I think he's going to hit well. I don't know home run-wise, right, because we're talking about Kaufman, and yeah, it's not exactly sure. a home run paradise. But I, he hits the ball so hard, and he walks more than he strikes out. Who does that nowadays? Yep. You know, Soto and not too many. I mean, not too many people do that. Especially in their first year in the bigs to be able to do that. That's I was he, very impressed. He doesn't need to walk more than he strikes out. It's just that he's around that yep. is amazing. You know. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, yeah, just looking at that stat line, I love the Freddie Freeman comp. Like people might say it's crazy, but you're not saying this year, you're saying let the kid develop another year or two. And this could be a Freddie Freeman type profile because right. the, the plate discipline, the batting average, which we don't get very often, especially at first base. That's what, Fre- that's what keeps Freddie in the first round is that batting average to go with the power and the steals he throws in there. And he can throw a couple in there too. Like there's an interesting comp there. I like quite a bit that we would not, I would not be surprised if that comes to fruition. I don't know if it'll be this year, but it could, could very well be this year. But maybe the following year, like it's very realistic though, which is a quite quite an interesting comp that I have not heard yet, but I like quite a bit. His contact, his contact skills, and his plate discipline, and just how it's not just a wet noodle, just to, for the sake of making contact. He's stinging the ball. Yeah. I went to a few games and watched him. I mean, it's like it's like he's hunting pitches. I know that sounds like a homer type of a, a statement. When you watch him. He's waiting to pounce on pitches, and he's so confident that I just I wonder I don't think I don't think it's this year, but I wonder when he's going to just explode. It might be like let's say it's like July that he figures it all out and he starts hitting you know having three fifty months with homers. It's coming. It might it might not be this year even, but it's coming. It's coming, yep. and he he is. He is going to instantly shoot your team up in a lot of ways. If you, I mean, at this price, I mean, I would, t- I, I have been taking a Brayu quite a bit, 
but I think I would take him more than I would take a Brayu moving forward after doing the research that I did. He's just so impressive. Yeah, I'm with you. Like early on, a Brayu was the easy answer because ADP and everything made sense. But that's why we do all this research before we start our heavy, heavy drafting, and it made a lot of sense. Um, between Bobby Witt, I'll throw Salvi on there just for fun. Um, MJ Melendez, Vinny P, basically four guys going roughly in the top 100. Vinny or Melendez is like 106. If you had to have just one and based on value per se, it'd be tough for Wit to get value. I get it as right. a seventh pick. But if you had to have one guy to leave a draft with the, with the most confidence for your fancy team, which one would it be? For value, where they're going and what they would do for your fancy team, I would take Melendez okay. because the difference he makes at catcher is phenomenal. Beautiful, beautiful. But the second one would be Vinny. Vinny P. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You can take them both. Go for it. Yeah, um, let's go to the outfield here, and this is one of those we've laughed and made jokes about, you know, his rental car skills and driving back and forth and IL stints and God knows what else with Edward Oliveras. We've all wanted to see him play. He shows pop. He shows some speed. He, he had some really good flashes last year before he got hurt. Um, right now his ADP is like 336. He's projected to hit fifth or sixth in the lineup, and we kind of joked about where the lineup goes after Vinny P. But what's your interest in a guy like Edward Oliveras? I think it's playing time is the biggest question, but what's your thoughts on him? I think they are ready to let him play. Last year, they started playing him, and he got hurt. As soon as he came back at the end of the year, they were slotting him in the cleanup spot. They want to see what he can do, finally. They were playing around with him for a while, mainly because of who they already had playing outfield and his defense. They hated his defense. He's worked on it, and he's also ingratiated himself so that I believe they're ready to give him a full shot. They've kind of cleared the way a little bit. They've moved some pieces around. There's still a bit of a logjam with some bodies out there, but as long as his as long as his defense is is adequate, I think he'll get some DH spots. I think he'll get some right field, and I do think I do think if they give him a decent run, he's going to hit. And I when I say hit, I think he's a I think he's a two seventy two eighty hitter if if he plays every day and gets in a group. He can't stay healthy, which is the number one thing for him. And then obviously he can't he can't get himself in the doghouse again. That's the key. Yeah. Um, if he can stay up and 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 hit hit the ground running in April, I think you could see a big year for that ADP. I mean, you have to take it. You have to take a shot. The only reason I wouldn't take a shot is if, and this doesn't happen to many of us this year with outfield, is if your outfield is so loaded that you just are not going for outfield at that point in the draft. But at three thirty something, that's what twenty second round. Yeah. So. Surely you need another outfielder at that point, you know. Yeah, you think so. Yeah. So I like with you. I like the the spec play. He goes he goes late enough, especially we're talking about fab leagues. He goes late enough that if he craps out, you know, you can you can throw him back on the waiver wire pretty easy if you take him that late. And if he hits, if he hits, he's gonna be a valuable piece because he has a little speed as well. He runs a little he he hits for decent average. He has a little pop. If he hits in the middle of that lineup behind all those good hitters we just discussed, that's a nice spot for for that cheap of a of draft capital. 
yeah, he's one of those guys. If he could just stay healthy, like his stat line at the end of the season, if he played a full season, would mimic or maybe be better than like the Benintendi's, the Verdugos, those guys that are going hundred picks ahead of him at least, if not more. Like yes. there's a big gap in the talent. It's just, I think everyone's kind of worried about the playing time with him, which is valid. We've we've seen the issues, but. I think there's a, a very intriguing option with uh, Oliveris, and hope Vlad Sedler doesn't tweet about him like he did all the time last year. That'd yeah. be great. But um, yeah, a very very intriguing spot for sure. He's 27. Uh, he doesn't have one option left, so I can't say that they're not going to put him on the the Oliveris freeway to Omaha over and over. But I don't think they have reason to do that as much now due yeah. to the clearing out. You know, Benintendi's gone. Michael a. Taylor's gone. Um, I don't think they want to play Dozier in the outfield, but we'll see what they do there. So he's got a little bit of a pathway for some big time at bats. They've got a uh, roster resource has him in right and Isbell in left with Drew Waters in center. I know we're going to cover some more things, but I, I really do think right field is where he can, he can make his, his claim. If he can just stay off the IL, that's the key. 100% with you there. Uh, you mentioned Hunter Dozier there. We don't have to go super deep, as I know most don't like Hunter Dozier. But uh, he's first base, third base, outfield. He's supposed to be the starting third baseman now with the moves that have been made. So that just brings a little relevance to me, at least fantasy-wise. If he's starting at third base, and then ADP of 411 with that eligibility, is there a place where you see him fitting on a fantasy team for you? He would just be DC depth. Uh, I don't yeah. think... I don't think anybody, you know, doing 30 round fab leagues should be considering Dozier. Uh, he's he's waiver wire fodder. He's going to come off and on the waiver wire, depending on if you've got an injury or maybe he gets hot for a bit or something. But he's we know what he is. We know what he is. He's nothing special um, for the Royals. I, I think if they didn't have this crazy four year contract they gave him, I'm not so sure they would be fooling with him either. He'd probably be gone. But they gave him a bunch of money, so he's going to play. So he's stuck for now. Um, yes. Let's talk Drew Waters. You mentioned him a second ago. They acquired him last year in a trade. Interesting young talent. Was like a high prospect, kind of fizzle, but maybe new place, new face. Who knows? Uh, we've seen power. We've seen speed. Plays pretty decent defense, which works yes. in Kaufman. Um, so he should play regularly, it feels like. And he's got an ADP of 413. Again, probably more of a DC thing, but what are your thoughts on him uh, entering 2023? Yeah, he's he's just a deep outfield play, usually in DCs, maybe a, a fringy, you know, last spot on your bench in a in a fab league if you need some speed power. I do think he's going to play quite a bit because they don't have a lot of center fielders. I think Isbell can play it as well, but they need him for his defense. I think they want to give him some run. They gave up, a, I think, a first-round compensatory pick to Atlanta when they when they got him. So that's quite a bit for a team like the Royals to give up for a guy. I think that's what they gave up. Don't quote me on that. But I know he was highly thought of for a few years, and I think he kind of fell out of favor in Atlanta. Plus, they, they've got tons of talent down there, so they just didn't have a place for him to play. I think the Royals want to give him some run. Do I believe he's going to be great? Uh, no. But I do think that with a full look, which I think you'll get, I think you're going to get, you're going to get speed and power, maybe to the tune of 10 to 15 home runs and steals. 
uh, if he were to play every day, you know, all year. Is that anything to write home about? No, but it's something. And for the Royals, it would be, you know, astounding to get something like that out of that. So they've got him batting ninth on roster resource, which is probably right. I don't see how he would fit in much higher in the lineup unless, uh, you know, Dozier or, or Isbell. I want to talk about another guy here at the end too, but um, I think Waters is probably a safe center field play if you're just looking for a guy in a DC for at bats. Um, I was getting that leads me to my next spot. You said, is there anybody else? Like there's Kyle Isbell, Mike Massey, Nikki Lopez, there's Eaton, Franmil got signed. Is there anybody else of fantasy relevance potentially on that Royals uh, roster for now? I'm intrigued by Franmil. Okay. I know that I, I'm not sure if it was like like a, a clubhouse issue or what's going on, but he got booted quick from Cleveland. Yep. That that I think that surprised almost everyone that they they released him. Yeah, and then he went to the Cubs. I think it was. It, I think he just had like a single season contract with them, and they didn't re-sign him. That could be also clubhouse. It could also be just he's he's lost his edge. The guy hit 37 homers a couple of years ago. I think if he has any anything close to what he used to have, they are going to find a spot for him. And that probably would be at the expense of Isbell, would be my guess. Yeah. Um, He's probably more like a right field DH type, which is not what this team needs. They have plenty of DHs. So I don't know how it will fit in, but it's an intriguing gamble by them because he's, I think he's non roster invitee. And, yeah. yeah. So they don't have a lot invested. So yeah, I like it. And as far as Eaton goes, I'll touch on that real quick. Just off the charts speed, off the charts speed. But Where's he going to play? And less than until Dozier gets hurt, which Eaton can play third, or someone else, and he just he can also play a little center, I believe. Uh, he doesn't really have a spot to play. But if he can get full-time at-bats, I'm not talking about right now, but in season, and you need speed, he will steal, and he will steal quickly. You will see steals pile up quickly if he's getting at-bats. How well he hits will is remains to be seen, but the speed plays. Nice, a little John Birdie side action. It sounds yes. like so. That kind of speed. I like it. I like it. Get him in bunches. Good DC play, that's for sure. Yep. Um, let's head to the mound, and we'll hit on the main attraction here. Well, there's not much else, but we'll hit the main attraction here. And Brady Singer, ADP yep. around 176, uh, 27 games last year, 24 starts, back to back seasons, put up 153 innings. Ratios were great. We know he made the pitch mix changes and really worked on himself and was outstanding. And I've been a big singer fan pretty much since he started coming up. And he finally clicked, thank God, because I'm horrible at picking some of these young pitchers. But um, what's your thoughts now? We've seen a really strong year. Do we get a, a repeat? Do we get improvements? What's your outlook on Brady Singer? Well, I think everybody has heard that you know, he was a two-pitch pitcher that needed a third pitch. He used his change. He added a changeup. He's a sinker slider, but he added a changeup, and he used that about 6 to 7% of the time last year. That's fine, but it's more of a show pitch. And if you're not actually using a pitch, then hitters, unless the, unless the changeup is a is a is an out pitch or, or 
an impact pitch, hitters are not going to make outs on that pitch. So it's simply just to show them something else while you're throwing the other two 90-some percent of the time. I do think he is the workhorse of the staff. I do think he's at least serviceable and maybe maybe above average, but I don't think he's a shoe-in to repeat what he did last year. He had a high strand rate last year, almost 80% strand rate. And if you regress that a little bit, you're going to see him have a near four ERA. That doesn't mean he's a bad pitcher. He's still going to log K's. He's still going to put up, I'm going to say 180 innings. I don't know, you know, barring injury. So he's worth a good pick. It's just, let's not get ahead of ourselves and think we've got, you know, a superstar on the rise. I don't think he's that. I just think he's, for the Royals, he's the race. But for you, he would be like an SP4, I think, yeah, something like that on a, on a on a team-ish, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. So you didn't talk me off of him, so that's good. Yeah, I still, I still no, like. No, 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 no. Yeah, but I agree I with what you said, though. He, he might be a ceiling we saw last year. He's young. He's 25. Yeah. So who knows how how well he does with this pitch mix? Sometimes it's not necessarily the pitch that they add; it's how they mix the pitches they've already got. Maybe he starts throwing his slider more than his sinker. Things like that make a difference. Maybe it's. Um, you know, how he approaches hitters and sets them up differently. There's a lot of things that go into the, this. And as we know, the Royals got rid of Cal Aldred, who was mm-hmm. not doing well with the pitching staff. I think that's safe to say. And the new pitcher, pitching coach, I believe, was the bullpen coach from Cleveland. And the new manager was the bench coach from Tampa Bay. Those are two good organizations for pitching. And hopefully, I mean, we pray in Kansas City. Hopefully, they can find some ways to help these guys, especially the young kids. I think, you know, the the additions of the older guys, which maybe we will talk about a little bit, but the younger guys are where we need to see them progress. They don't need to be Cy Young, but they do need to be major league pitchers. And except for Singer, we haven't really had much of that coming up. Development's been a, a big problem. Yeah, it definitely has because there was a time when you guys drafted, I think, three top, top, or top end starters all like right at the beginning, the Ace Lacey and company, and it just has not panned out just yet. But there's still time, they're still young. Yeah. We'll see what yeah. happens. Uh, you mentioned some of the veterans, I'll just group them together here for you. you got Jordan Lyles, you got Zach Granke, Brad Keller, Ryan Yarborough. They've been around the, the bush a few times, as they say. Um, any relevance, uh, any guys you might be interested in come draft time? No. The answer in a, in, a, in a nutshell is no. Uh, you would not want to start any of these on your fantasy team. The only thing I can say about, about them is for the purposes of not destroying the bullpen or forcing another Jackson Cower, you know, come up and have a 90 RA over several starts because we don't have anybody else to throw, they are going to just throw innings, right? to the tunes of four to five ERA guys. These are not people you want on your fantasy team. But if they can just hold the fort down until some of the kids maybe can figure some things out in the minors, uh, perhaps one of them can get supplanted at some point here. Uh, I would not recommend any of them. (laughs) I'm trying to look. I mean, 
Brad Keller is 25 years old. He seems so much and older than that. Yes, and he's 6'5", 255. He's kind of got a workhorse type of build and mentality. I'm not going to say he's going to be anything that you should be going after, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. He throws hard. Um, he throws 94, and he if he can if he can maintain velocity and figure out a pitch mix that works for him to get outs, it's possible he could be a serviceable guy at the back end of a, of a fantasy staff. Maybe you take a, a stab at him. I don't even know what his ADP would be. It's got to be in the 600s, 700s. I don't know. Brad Keller, ADP 741. So let's call that free. For, for the purposes of yeah. us, what we're talking about. Well, let, let, let me just navigate it for you here. Out of the 13 drafts, he's been taken in three. Okay. So if you took him in the 50th round and he's in the rotation, and knowing that ahead of him are Lyles, Grinky, and Yarborough, if he, unless he, and he could, unless he explodes – at 25 years old and just innings, he's probably worth a 50th round pick if you just need some innings at the end of your DC. 100%. I don't see much else. Um, Max Castillo is is something to, to look at. He's got a high ground ball tilt, and he's young. He's 23. They got him in the Merrifield trade from Toronto, and – he, he had a really, really bad um, second half for strand and hit, which really tanked his, his stats. If he can just have – if that will normalize and he can figure out – I think he's also a two-pitch pitcher. If he can figure out how to last in games, because going through a lineup three times or even two times effectively is tough uh, when you're a kid with two pitches. So he may just be a bullpen arm, but if he can figure anything out at his age – He's another guy who could possibly stick in the rotation. Again, this is a bad rotation, <laughs> really bad. We talked about it before the before the pod. It's not good. So I'm not going to tell you to take any of these guys, but keep an eye on them in season, especially the younger guys. I don't think you can change Grinky's stripes. I don't think you can do anything with Jordan Lyles at this point. But these young kids, if all of a sudden you see them putting a few decent starts together – Keep an eye on it because it could be something, you know, deep that the pitching staff has figured out with them. And don't just write them off because they're the Royals and, you know, the Royals pitching in general will be bad. Yeah. No, it's true because, like, you got the, the Bubics, the Cowers, the, there's a bunch of them that were supposed to be better than they've been. So, and they're still young. So maybe something can change. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, Let's check out the bullpen real quick. Scott Barlow slated the close. I think that's pretty much good for now, but they signed a role as Chapman. You got Dylan Coleman, who's been very serviceable as well. How do you look at the uh, the Royals' bullpen right now? Is it Barlow's to lose, and you just kind of pick up pieces around it? Uh, I think it will be a bit of a share from, from day one. Uh, I don't think they want to just hand it to Chapman, and here's why. I think Barlow is on the block. I think, you know, he's 30 years old. I think a lot of people think he's younger than he is. And he's a free agent, I believe, after next year. So they should probably get something for him while relievers are fetching decent prospects. They don't, if you're this bad of a, of a team, you don't really need a star closer. 
So if you can get something for him, and in in the meantime, also probably see if if Chapman can regain his form, and let them share closing uh, until you can deal one or both of them. Uh, that's probably the way you address it to get because both of them obviously are not part of the future. Uh, I say that. I mean, I, they could sign Barlow to an extension, in which case you could throw all this out. But for sure, Chapman's not. He's on a one-year deal. Why would they not give safe chances to Chapman to show a contender that he's worth a mid-level prospect if you'd like him, you know, by trade deadline or before? So I believe they're both going to get safe chances, which obviously kills Barlow's value where he's been going. And I think he started to drop a bit. I Let me yeah. see where – I don't know if you have it handy. Yeah, but. I got it right here. Um, Bardo, uh, one thirty-seven. Okay, so I think he could he could even drop a little more than that. I know that Chapman's going yeah, way three three twenty. Yeah. So the difference is Barlow's done it, and Barlow, in in theory, is is the one who should get the saves. But I think they're going to split them up. I think if you've got a a lefty heavy top of the ninth or bottom of the ninth, you'll see Chapman come in. So yeah. that kills that, them both. That's why I've been taking Chapman and DCs because I'm like, he's going to get his eventually. That It's yes. going to happen. He will get his. I don't mind Barlow, but I'm also realistic like you are. And I did look, he's a free agent in 2025. So he's got another year of eligibility, which could, or uh, free agency on him. So that would fetch even more in a trade, as you're saying. So definitely something to keep in mind there. As you said, relievers are going at a hefty, hefty price. So. I think they're both in play. I like Dylan Coleman as a super long shot. If somehow both get traded, it's interesting. Yes. But just yes. be realistic on that. You get they both got to go before for that. They both got to go, and I don't think Chapman has a long leash as far as they're not going to let him just come in and blow game after True. game after game. I think if they they'll do the same thing the Yankees did, and they'll say if you're going to walk the world, which he's been doing for a couple of years now, they go pitch in the seventh and walk the world. And they'll let Barlow do it. And if they can trade Barlow and and Chapman's still in the tank, I do think Coleman is next. Yep, I like that quite a bit. Uh, last but not least, are there any potential younger prospects that we might see in 2023? Most of them are up already. That's that's pretty clear. But uh, when you like you look at some of the options, they have a few guys still down there. I don't know if they're another year away, if there's not a spot for them. But are there any rumblings about maybe seeing some of these younger players come up this year? Well, there's been a, there's been a rumble about um, shortstop, but it's a bit of a logjam there on the infield right now with Lopez taking up a bench spot. He's kind of a utility infielder for them now. He swings a wet noodle. Mm-hmm. He cannot he cannot hit the ball hard. He can't, but he makes decent contact and he can play lots of positions: second, short, third. And he's entrenched. I mean, he's been there for a few years, so they don't they're not just going to boot him. But I think if any injuries happen or by chance they can move Dozier. I think you could see Michael Garcia, who is a contact average hitter with some speed uh, that could come up middle of the year. And if he comes up, he's a shortstop and they would probably move Witt to third because I don't think Garcia plays third. So that would be a bit of a, a, a jumble for the infield. But I, I don't know how how excited they are to just bring him up and throw him in. They brought him up at the end of last year, and he fared well. So they've already given him a, a cup of coffee. If 
injuries or a trade happens, then I think he's on a short list to at least come up for a bit. It's just that I don't know that he's like, oh, you know, what they envision giving him 400 at bats. Um, Prado is also another one that has a huge pedigree. He was really well thought of, but his contact rates are just abysmal. He cannot hit the ball. And if you're going to K that much, you'd better hit just mammoth bombs every time you make contact, which he's not doing. So he's kind of a, a, a project right now. I think that they envisioned him to be farther along than he is. And he can play the corner outfields, obviously first base, but that's that's Vinny's now. So corner outfield is where he's going to have to slot in. And again, it would take injuries and him hitting, which is, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, you're asking for a lot. So I think Eaton is a little bit ahead of Prado as far as on the short list to come up. And I think Garcia would be more of a defensive middle infield type of option. And then I've got one more guy I want to mention, and that is Gentry, who is a, um, a, a solid player. He's an outfielder again. Because there's so many iffy outfielders right now in the mix, I think one of these guys could come up and make a splash and, and take a starting spot. But for now, I think he's, you know, he's stuck in AAA until, until something opens up. So just somebody to keep on your radar. Yeah, I just looked at his uh, his numbers in the minors and pretty solid stuff. Big time batting average guy, so yeah. could be a nice little pump if he gets the the call at some point. At least in the Fab League, so I'm gonna keep an eye on with uh, Gentry. So I like that call quite a bit. It's one of the things I really love about these shows is some random dudes that I've never heard of, and all of a sudden I'm like, huh, there is something there. So that's a uh, pretty good stuff. And exactly, and those type of those type of guys when they come up in June when there's an injury and you can get them for three bucks on the waiver wire. Yep. You already know what what you hope to expect versus waiting a week or two weeks and watching him do something and now he costs you know eighty bucks or a hundred bucks or something because he's going off. Just just take a flyer and if they they flame out, you, what you what you do? It's the end of your bench for a few bucks. Exactly. So that's, that's the way the to do it. That you have you have to think about on these on these minor leaguers is just keep them in the back of your mind for later, for a few months down the road. hundred percent, my friend. Last question I have for you here before we wrap it up. What's your outlook on the Royals? What are we thinking on the AL central? You know, you got Cleveland, you got Minnesota, you got the white Sox. What are we thinking? So I think, I think they will probably battle for fourth with Detroit, but I could conceivably see them, coming in last due to the pitching. I think the pitching is the Achilles heel of this team. You cannot win without starting pitching. I don't care if you got Bobby Witt playing every position on the field. Somebody's got to pitch. And until they can figure out not only, you know, organizationally what they need to do to develop pitching, but also attract pitchers because they can't, no pitcher wants to come here as a free agent. They're going, they're going to have trouble. It's, it's a real, real, predicament they're in and hopefully they can they can start to develop because i really think that's the only way a small market team like this can compete is to bring their own pitching up so i think i think really low wins i think under under 70 with this pitching so i don't know where their over under is right now i don't know if you've seen i haven't i haven't checked it in a while so i'm not not sure i'm guessing it's around the low 60s would be my guess 
So yeah, I was gonna say I think it was seventy three last year, and I oh, was like, yeah. um, that seems that seems haughty, and I think they. They may have even come right at it. I can't remember what their record was last year. If you give me a second here, I can let you know. <laughs> but I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge uh, long-term six-month better of you know over-unders uh, just because it's never really appealed to me to wait six months to figure out if I want to bet. But It, it, uh, does, it does take some patience. Uh, Royals over-under is 69 and a half. Right about right now, what you're saying. You're saying I would probably take the under. I would probably take the under just knowing the pitching problems they have. Um, For sure. But again, you know, and that's not asking a lot to win 70 games, but I think they could easily lose 100 games. Easily. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's the beautiful thing about baseball. And you got <laughs> spring training around the corner, my friends. You got Vegas on tap. And yes. I want to thank you as always for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh it's wonderful to come on with you. You've always been one of my favorite guys for pods. And I'm not just saying that to patronize you because I'm on here with you. I've told you that in DMs. You're like the hardest working guy in podcasting. You do them you during COVID when no one was doing pods because everybody was bored. You were finding ways to keep churning out baseball content. And I can't tell you how many times I was like, I should tell him how much I appreciate him because I have no one else to listen to. Uh, you you are you are a stalwart now. I mean, everybody um, uh, knows to put you on their list of, to listen to. And with your Toby stuff and your uh, Ryan stuff, and then all these that you're doing, it's really really wonderful for everybody in draft season to have all this content you put out. So thank you. I truly appreciate it, my friend. You've been a, a great friend of mine as well. So it means a lot to hear that. I appreciate it, and hopefully. I'll see you soon. If not, I'll yeah, see you eventually. You. So we'll, we'll make it happen one way or another, my friend. But uh, everybody check Mr. Anthony Gialdi on Twitter at G-I-A-L-D-A at Gialdi. And this was your Benched with Bubba, Kansas City Royals season preview. Catch you all next time.